You're listening to The Bookstorian Podcast, a podcast for book lovers and bookstagrammers. Hello and welcome to Season 2 of The Bookstorian Podcast. My name is Tegan and I am your host. On this episode of the podcast, I chat to my first international guest, Beth, from At Beth's Bookshelf. She joins me to talk about all things bookish. We have a chat about our most reread reads, Beth's cozy cottage vibe pictures, as well as our reading goals and TBR for 2021, and some Scottish authors. This is a totally spoiler-free episode, the first of its kind, so I do hope you enjoy. Hello and welcome, Beth, to the Bookstore and Podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm very excited you are my first ever international guest to start season two. Very excited to hear that as well. That was news to me, so that's exciting. And you're currently in Scotland. Yes, Glasgow. What's the weather like at the moment? Uh, Miserable, as per usual. It's actually (laughs) pouring rain. My husband just took the dog out and he was like, it's wet. I was like, yeah, every day you can still go out. And um, I think that's perfect book reading weather, though. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I haven't finished a book since October, but <laughs> if I was in the, I'm in a bit of a reading slump right now, but um, yeah, I do, like, every day I'm like, oh, I miss reading so much, like, this is such a perfect time for it, but, like, life with a puppy is hard, so yes. I'm hoping to get into it soon, but yeah. <laughs> so I start every podcast with a icebreaker question and the icebreaker question I have for you today is what book is your most reread? So I don't reread a lot because I feel like I was just going through my old Instagram stories and I actually put up a post about this and I was like I feel like rereading books is like having the same conversation with somebody again it's not bad it's just weird um so I don't reread a lot but the one series that I always go back to is The Hunger Games by Suzanne Collins. I think that's a big one for a lot of people, but I can't get enough of it. And I rewatched all the films this summer and I literally just sat on my couch and like wept for like five days. Um, so I do love that series a lot. I think I've read it four times. So not like a huge amount, but more than anything else I've reread. Did you read uh, the song, but the, I'm going to say it wrong. I want to say it the wrong way around. Did you read The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes? What did you think about that? Yes. So mixed reviews. Um, I loved reading it. I loved being back in that world. And I like found it like thoroughly entertaining. Um, the first half of the book was like so good. I was like six out of five stars. Like this is just brilliant. And then the second half of the book was like, what is happening? Like, where are all the questions that we wanted answer or the answers that we wanted where are how does this link to the world that we already know like how did snow become corrupt like we still don't know anything I felt like it was just it was almost like reading fan fiction so like worth my time but doesn't really add anything to the world um have you read it yes I I really liked it I felt like there was a lot of reasons for snow becoming the way he was like being brought up in that hunger games world and seeing violence as the answer to to everything like oh i don't like this person or this person is working against me at the moment so i'm going to like knock them off but i also thought it kind of left it a bit more open for another sequel as well because like you were saying there are a few things that are unanswered um or that don't necessarily add to the world that we already know so i definitely thought there were some gaps but i was also wondering if she'd planned to write another book to go with it 
My most mm. read book would be To Kill a Mockingbird by Harper Lee. So as a teacher and um, as a teacher who often teaches English, this is one that's on our syllabus in Australia. So I find that I'm, I'm always rereading it whenever um, I'm teaching it to a class. And even as a, as a teenager first reading it to then being an early careers teacher in my early 20s and then reading it again last year in my late 20s, I pick something different up from the story every time. So you might resonate with certain characters or you might pick up more adult themes in the story than what you did when you were a teenager. It's just my dog sucking. <laughs> and I also think that our world shifts and changes around us, but that story is just still so relevant and it doesn't, nothing's really lost over time. Yeah, I did. I did read that book when I was 12, like as required reading in school. And I was a bit traumatized by it at 12. Um, so it's, I bought it like secondhand a few years ago. So it's been on my shelf for ages, like just waiting to be reread as an adult. So it's definitely one I want to pick up um, sometime soon again. Yeah, 12 is very young, especially for a lot of the themes that are explored in the, in the story. So Beth, you also have a beautiful Bookstagram account and your handle is at Beth's Bookshelf. Can you describe your Bookstagram feed for the listeners? So it's changed a lot. I've been doing it for like four and a half years, so it has changed a lot. But like at the moment, I would say I'm very much focused on like trying to capture what it feels like to be at home. And that doesn't necessarily like mean to be physically at home. It's more like that feeling of when you feel at home, whether that's like with a person or like while you're reading, or for me, it is physically at home because I enjoy being at home. Um, especially this year, we've spent like so much time at home. Um, so I'm just trying to capture that. It's like obviously kind of like cozy and warm and things like that. And I also write like kind of little words or themes or quotes on the pictures as well. Um, for me, that's just because of like, kind of what I've been through in the last couple of years, like dealing with like mental health challenges and grief and things like that is like every day I have to focus on the little things to cheer myself up. I mean, most of my days are fine, but like everyone has bad days. And I think that just kind of focusing on these details, like here's a hot cup of tea and here's my favorite book of 2020 is like kind of how I um mentally at the moment so I'm trying to capture like where I am as a person through my photos and I'm excited to like see how that changes over the next couple of years as well and like will I zoom out even more because I used to do like really close macro shots and now I'm like zooming out because I have my own home and things like that I can zoom out more and then it's like well in five years time will I be zoomed out even more if I have like my own house rather than my own apartment and things like that so I think it's cool to just have your kind of photos and your theme reflect where you are in life. So that's my summary. I like that it is something personal for you to do as well. Um, and even though you, know, you, you share that with each of your followers, it's a, it's a really lovely way of, of you also capturing that moment for yourself and, and sharing that with others. And I also what you were saying about the little things, like even your little cinnamon scrolls and your hot drinks, like all of that helps to show where you are or what you're doing um, or, or how you're feeling as well. And I think you've definitely captured uh, that you're at home um, because it, it's definitely a, like cozy cottage sort of vibes um, in the photos that you're sharing. So what inspires you to take those sorts of images? I think like right now people are so obsessed with like the aesthetics of everything. And like I am as well. Like I want my home to have like a nice look to it, but I'm like, how can I use that? For like good so I think my main 
inspiration over the past few years has been like, how can I spread my love of reading in a way that resonates with the culture of right now? Um, so I think like just taking a book and like, this is really sad, but I sometimes will go out my way to buy like beautiful editions of books. Cause I'm like, I want to make a good photo so that people, more people will see it and be like, oh, I want to pick up that book or whatever. So um, yeah, just trying to share my love of reading through visuals. Um, I did a series on my blog, I think it was like last year of like, what would my feed look like if I just took pictures of the books as I was reading them? And like, it, it wasn't pretty. And it was kind of a controversial post and people were like, well, I do this. Like, are you saying it's ugly? I'm like, no, I'm not saying it's ugly. I just feel like to resonate with the place that people are at right now in culture, like people like to look at pretty things. Um, so that's one thing that inspires me. And then also like my friends on Bookstagram, like I'm very picky about like who I follow because I want to go on my feed every single day and be inspired by people. So I make sure that I'm um, following people that do inspire me and are positive and, you know, are reading a lot and things like that and then like I said like moments in my life kind of inspire me and also just like going on Pinterest and stuff if I sit on Pinterest I'm like oh my goodness I want to take photos so those are all the kind of things that inspire me and as a writer as well how how does having a bookstagram account help so one thing is like there are so many writers on bookstagram so when I see other people writing and like making time to write every single day I'm like okay if they can do it I can do it but I was thinking about this question. I was like, maybe Bookstagram isn't the best thing for a writer because I do spend a lot of time doing it. And I probably have committed more time to Bookstagram than writing over the last few years, which is disappointing. Um, but I'm trying to focus more on writing and less on Bookstagram. I've actually not been on Instagram that much over the last couple months um, compared to what I've done before. So I think just like t managing your time. But my biggest part is finding my beta readers on Instagram. So when I finished my first novel, which is now not complete again, because I've had more people read it and now I have more edits. Um, but when I finished what I thought was my final draft, I posted on Instagram and just said, does anybody want to beta read my book? Like, and so many people reached out to me and were like, oh, beta read. So I think I got like, I narrowed it down to like 10 people in the end, which was so helpful. Like my book was like 10 times better than it was before. So that's been like my biggest source of gratitude from as a as a writer it's a really good way to find people and to connect with other people whether or not it's um, other readers who read similar genres or like you've said as well people who are willing to read your book and offer feedback and I find overall it's a pretty wholesome welcoming community so you have over 40,000 followers currently. What are some tips that you have for bookstagrammers who are listening to increase engagement from their followers? To be honest, I literally have no idea how I got to that number. So I don't know. I don't know. There's like no formula. Like I was thinking about this as well. Is like the algorithm sucks and it changes all the time. And like sometimes it's great. And I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm gaining a thousand followers a week and I'm like, how is this happening? And other times I'm losing a thousand followers a week. So I don't know what I'm doing um, that works and what doesn't work. But I guess I have found that it's more about focusing on the audience you do have and not getting wrapped up in the numbers because at the end of the day, like it doesn't really matter. And even if you have a hundred followers, like imagine all those people walked into your house right now, like that's a lot of people. Um, so I think the more numbers you have, the, like the more pressure there is. But if you are you know, building a business or wanting to like launch something, the numbers can feel important. So I would just like encourage people to be themselves 
um, ask questions in their captions to increase engagement and get conversations going. Um, engage with your followers as well as the people that are following you because um, you want to make well that's the same thing so engage with the people you follow and the people that are following you because you want people that are following you to feel valued I guess um, post on your stories before and after you post on your feed use the right hashtags for your posts so I try and switch up my hashtags every single time um, it's really boring kind of like analytical stuff um, but yeah, I would just say try not to worry about it too much because it can get very stressful. And I remember like the first couple years I did Bookstagram, I was like always doing shout out sessions and just like wasting my weekends, like trying to get followers. Um, and I like never paid for any, like everything did come organically, but it was like, I would just spend like weekends trying to build engagement. And I'm like, what, like what a waste of my time. Um, but yeah, it's, it's finding the balance. I like that your very first one was about being yourself. And that's so true because most of us actually start our bookstagram as a way to actually share what we're reading. And ultimately what we're reading is a reflection of, of who we are or where we are in our lives right now. So I think that's a really integral thing to share with others who are starting out or maybe have lost touch a little bit with their bookstagrams is just to come back to you and, and what you want to do. Um, and like, like you said, it can also be a bit of a trap. You can spend hours on there either trying to boost engagement or just falling down rabbit holes of, of a new accounts. And it is important to also have that time where you do a uh, step back and reflect on your bookstagram account and, um, but also your, your life that is outside bookstagram as well. So while we are reflecting, uh, what sort of 2021 reading goals do you have for this year? Um, so last year I made a goal to read 24 books, which is a huge drop. Usually I try and read like 52 for like one every week. But this like 2020, I was like, let's just go for 24. That's like an easy feasible number. Cause I thought I was going to be doing a lot of traveling this year. I have not left my house. So that didn't really matter. Um, but this year I actually just want to set a goal of one book because I just don't, again, like I just don't want to obsess about numbers. And even like this year or 2020, I felt like I was obsessing about that 24 number and I got behind a little bit and I was like, ah, I need to catch up. But I think my reading goal for 2021 is obviously I want to read more than one book, but I'm just going to have that on my Goodreads. Be like, let's read one book and then just like have fun and enjoy it. Um, and I want to read more books that kind of link up with my novel, so more within the magic realism genre and the sci-fi genre. And I also want to read more um, books that I have referenced in my novel. So my character is a big reader and I have her reading books that I've not even read yet. So I want to read some stuff that she's reading. And I also want to read books that I enjoy the writing of because I feel like when I read more better books I write better so I want to reread some books that I like enjoy the writing of so those are my goals I like that not only have you attached a number and it, and it and it's one so it's something that's very achievable but then is also very freeing for you as well but then also having some other goals beneath and I think sometimes that's where Goodreads does us a disservice because we're focused more so on the number rather than the, the, the quality of the books that we're reading or uh, reading books for, for another purpose other than just achieving a number. With all that being said, 
so I, my goal was 55 last year and I absolutely smashed it because I started listening to audiobooks. And I think just on my commute to work every day or doing some chores around the house to also be listening to a book has helped me reach that goal. I would like to aim for about at least 60 next year. I'm also taking some leave um, from work for about five to seven weeks. So I'll have a little bit more time uh, to read. So that would be my goal. But with that goal, I also have some conditions uh, for it. So I definitely want to focus on supporting my local bookstores in Brisbane more. I definitely want to reread some more books on my shelf. I don't tend to reread too many books. Uh, and for the similar reasons that you said at the beginning of the show, it kind of feels like you're already had that conversation with someone. Uh, but there are a few books that are on my mind that I do want to reread. So I want to make sure I do that. Definitely continue working on the podcast. So roll out season two and also do a season three this year. And I've started a reading journal as well last year. And I, I really enjoy the paper craft of, of having a reading journal. So as long as I continue doing that this year as well. So there's quite a few conditions that sit within that 60, but hopefully it's, it's all quite achievable and, and not, not too stressful. So one way that we can get our reading goals and whether that be the number or the other, the other goals that are set with it is by reading books in 2021. So Beth, what are some books that you want to make sure you read in 2021? So the first one is a book that I want to finish. I put it on the back burner just because I've, I'm in a bit of a reading slump, but the first book is The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue by V.E. Schwab. Um, it's about a girl who sells her soul to the devil and she's asked for eternal life in, instead. Um, and her kind of punishment is that nobody remembers her. So she meets somebody and she'll get on with them. And then if she goes to the bathroom or something, like they forget her. Um, so it's a really cool premise, but I've found it quite a difficult read because the prose is quite purple. It's quite overdone. It's quite colorful. Um, so I just find it a really heavy read. So I've taken a break. So I want to finish that this year. Um, so that's one book. The next book I want to read is Coraline, Coraline, don't know how you pronounce it, by Neil Gaiman, which is about a girl who moves into a new flat and she kind of starts exploring and she ends up going through this door, which leads to like this other kind of creepy world. It's um, a middle grade book. Um, so I think it'll be quite an easy read. It's also a book that my character reads. Literally, I reference it like one sentence in my, in my novel. So it's not important that I read it, but it's been on my radar for a while. So I do want to read that. Um, the next book I want to read is Unnatural Causes by Dr. Richard. Oh my gosh, my dog I just jumped on my skin. Um, Dr. Richard Shepherd. So this is a nonfiction book about um, Britain's top forensic pathologist. Um, so I love true crime and I'm not a huge fan of pathology, like per se, it kind of freaks me out a little bit, but because I have a few murders in my novel, um, I feel like I need to know a little bit about pathology. So I felt like this was a, an accessible way to get that. Sorry, I did, I do have five, so this might take a while. Um, so the next book is Paranoid by Lisa Jackson, which is another one my character reads, which plays quite a big role in uh, the novel. So this is about a woman who accidentally kills her brother in a teenage game that went that went horribly wrong. Um, and it's kind of like 20 years later, like how does she unravel what really happened that night? Um, I love 
mystery thrillers, but I always find them so, like, so disappointing. Like, I will always love a Gillian Flynn book. I think she's incredible. Um, but, like, you have to be such a good writer to write, like, a convincing thriller mystery. So I've seen mixed reviews for this. I don't know if I'll love it, but it sounds like it would be good. And then the last book that I really want to read next year is Confessions of a Bookseller by Sean Blythel. He's actually a Scottish writer, um, and he wrote another book called Diary of a Bookseller. He owns this little bookshop in Wigton, which is like our Scottish book town. Um, and he's just like such a funny guy. Like he's like the grumpiest man in the whole world. He's so mean, but he's hilarious. And he just, every day he like writes a little journal of like what happened in his bookstore that day. Um, so this is like his sequel. So I definitely want to read that this, uh, this year. I've read Diary of a Bookseller and I really enjoyed it. Like it was, it was such a beautiful insight into running a bookstore, but then all these other things that can happen and occur in a community. Um, it made me want to go to Scotland so bad and to go to Wigtown and to just walk into the bookstore. Have you been there? Yeah, I spent a weekend there just by myself, like as a little treat a couple of years ago. And it was honestly like, the best two days I ever had. I just went by myself. I went to all the bookstores that were open. So because it's such a small town, like if they don't want to come to work, they don't have to. <laughs> so like I went and some places weren't open. Um, so I went back last year and thankfully more places were open, but it's so cute. I would love to move there, but I don't think my husband wants to. <laughs> Imagine how expensive it would be because you'd always be in a bookstore. I, uh, I also have five books as well that I definitely want to read um, or, or reread. So in line with one of my goals about rereading more books, The Red Queen by Philippa Gregory. So as a, as a teenager, I was reading the, the other Boleyn Girl and that kind of Tudor series. But in my probably, I'm, I'm not too sure, I must have been about six to seven years ago, even maybe even longer that the Cousins War books were also released, which comes before all of the Tudor England series. So I want to reread that series of work before I then read the the Tudor England. So that's uh, one of them. Uh, it is based on Margaret Beaufort, who's on the Plantagenet side of the Cousins War. And she rises and falls throughout her life, depending on who is the King of England or who the people or who people think is the King of England. And it changes with the tides essentially. And she also ends up being mother to Henry VII, who of course does eventually become a King of England. So her story is quite unique. She's quite young when she had Henry VII as well. So that, um, that kind of emotional scar follows through in her story. Another reread that I have is also, which is also historical fiction, because this is my my genre that I adore, is All the Light We Cannot See by Anthony Doerr. And I mentioned this on a podcast last year, and I found I was struggling to remember what it was about, but just knew that I really loved the book. So essentially, I, I need to do myself um, and the author a service by rereading uh, this story, but from from the blurb and then what I can remember is it follows the life of two characters. So uh, Marie Laurie, who is from Paris, and Werner, who or Warner, who is from um, who's a German orphan. But the the imaginative the imaginative language that is used throughout the story is magnificent, and especially because one of the leading characters is actually blind. So it has this sheer contrast that she can't actually see all of these things around her, but they're beautifully described uh, in the novel. 
Um, my third one. Say, sorry, I was just going to quickly say, like, I, I read that book this year and it is so beautiful. Like, I, I'm not a historical fiction fan, but I did love that book a lot. And like you say, like, the descriptions were just insane. So I definitely recommend that for people who are wanting a beautiful book to read. Yeah, it's it's stunning. And that's and that's exactly why I need to reread it. I need to relive all of those beautiful moments. My next one is a thriller. Uh, I didn't read enough thrillers in 2020. I really enjoy that genre and that really quick read. Maybe I overexhausted it in 2019 and, and straight away. But one that is on my shelf waiting to be read is Our House by Louise Candish. And it's a thriller where the main character returns home to find strangers living in her house and her estranged husband and her children are also nowhere to be found. And it's set um, against like a moody London backdrop. So it, it, it looks like it'll be a, a fast paced book. Um, my fourth one is Conjure Women by Afia Atakora. I hope I've pronounced that correctly. And it's set in the American South and spans a few different generations of women. And it weaves their stories and their secrets and their bonds that they share throughout. I love that one of the women is a healing woman. And it's a story that I always tend to read about women who are wise women or uh, considered healers during their time. And especially when there was no modern medicine or healthcare for people and that these women essentially were, were treating their, their village. Um, and then of course, a lot of them also turned upon if things didn't go well. So that is um, also something that I really want to read. And the final one is The White Girl by Tony Birch. So I, I purchased this at a local bookstore last year and it's set in 1960s Australia. And it tells the story of the devastating government policy where uh, children, where First Nations children were taken from their families. And there is just always so much to learn about this period of time um, here in Australia. And I definitely, after reading a few Indigenous authors last year, I've, I also recognise I need to read more of that style of literature. So um, the, the other books that I read last year that are, are in line with this one and, and that have also made me want to read more uh, was Top End Girl by Miranda Tapsell, uh, Dark Emu by Bruce Pascoe and The Yield by Tara June Winch. So I think it's really important to have um, some Indigenous representation in what I'm reading. Yeah, that's very true. They all sound so interesting as well. Um, so when this comes out, I'm going to like write down all those because I like literally forgot what you said. But um, yeah, those, those all sound so good. And like you're saying, like it's so important to have um, like authors of colour that you're reading as well. So it's definitely something I want to be more intentional about in uh, 2021. I was intentional about it in 2020 as well and found some amazing books. Um, so yeah, definitely something that we should all be looking into more like who are we reading and you know, what are they like as people as well? Like, are they ethical people? Are they good people? So um, yeah, definitely something to be considerate of. And as a bookstagrammer in Scotland, do you have any authors that you would recommend to my listeners? Mm, so <laughs> I was going through lists of Scottish writers because like, like I say, like I'm, I've not been super great at like being like okay I want to read like a Scottish author or like a translated book or something like I've not been good at that in my entire kind of reading journey so I was looking at like lists and I was like I wonder if I've actually read any Scottish writers and I was like oh I have but I have rated all of their books so low so I haven't really enjoyed the Scottish authors that I've read um so for example one is Gail Honeyman who wrote um the um oh, El Eleanor Oliphant is completely fine that's her book 
Um, very popular book, didn't like it. So that was good for me. Um, Robert Louis Stevenson is another one I've read who wrote um, Jekyll and Hyde, hated it. Um, J.M. Barry wrote Peter Pan, hated it. <laughs> so it didn't go well. So um, Sean Blythe, who wrote Diary of a Bookseller, I can definitely recommend him. Um, and some Scottish authors I want to read would be Ali Smith, who does like the seasonal quartet. So she wrote uh, Autumn summer spring i think winter is in process of being written or published i don't think it's out yet um arthur conan doyle is scottish he wrote sherlock holmes and graham mcray burnett is an author i have on my shelf he wrote the bloody project so those are some authors i have hopes for that i like that are scottish but so far not so good <laughs> it's not personal i promise <laughs> we're just exposed to so many worldwide authors no matter where we are and even there is so much good Australian historical fiction that's currently being released but sometimes it's overlooked for something else that you're actually seeing um, on your bookstagram feed at the moment um, um, to end the podcast I wanted to uh, step through and do a bit of this or that we'll do it as a bit of a quick fire so you can't think about it for too long so I'll give you one or the other and you need to, to say which one it is that you prefer. All right, okay. you ready? Yep, ready. Okay. Paperback or hardback? Hardback. Bookmark or folded page? Bookmark. Write in books or never write in books? Write in books all the time. Deface it, I don't care. It's your book. <laughs> Fiction or nonfiction? Fiction. Bed or sofa? Sofa. I'll fall asleep if I read in bed. <laughs> Classics or new releases? New releases. Standalone or series? Standalone. Cannot get invested in series these days. I don't have the commitment. <laughs> they are a really big commitment. It's the same oh, reason. So... <laughs> it's, it's why I haven't picked up and read Outlander. I've, it's too big of a commitment. Oh, me neither. <laughs> There's too many books. Do you uh, borrow or buy? Mm, buy, sorry. And finally, do you enjoy a tea or a coffee? Tea, 100%. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for talking to me today, Beth. Thank you for having me. That was great. I yeah. <laughs> I have a new international friend now. You have been listening to the Bookstorian podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen and follow me on Instagram at the Bookstorian podcast.